Welcome everyone to the Priceless Podcast. My name is Mikhail Sechen and I'm your host. And this podcast is made in partnership with the European Forum of LGBT Christian Groups. Today I have a guest from Spain. Renato, uh, thank you so much for coming. I classify myself as male and gay um, and am open also to new developments. I was born in a rural part of Western Denmark. It began early in my life, this discovery of the world. And, um, and as I then got, um, became an adult and became independent and I could make my own decisions, I have then traveled widely and lived in many different countries. And Spain is one of my favorite places. So that's why I've now spent it adds up and I've been here on and off, uh, but it adds up to nine years now. I grew up in this very Christian family. And what do I mean by very well? My, both my parents were active Christians. Uh, my mother would um, play the organ in the church on Sundays. And my father was uh, in charge of uh, keeping the church, uh, the upkeep um, and maintenance of the church, basically. And he also um, supported the, um, the pastor doing the service in different ways. Very, uh, I would say, old-fashioned, traditional Christianity. Um, my mother was a bit more open-minded than he was, so I found her easier to talk to. He, he was almost impossible to speak to, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly about religion, I, I had I, I I was afraid of him. Even I, I I never discussed religion with my with my dad. And we were a whole lot of uh, siblings. Um, we could have been twelve, but one died very young, and so we were eleven. Fortunately, I was allowed to choose humanities when I came to secondary school, um, because my older brothers they had also chosen science. But I wanted uh, humanities because I, I have a flair for languages. Uh, so I instinctively knew that that, that would be best, the best thing for me. But I had a major crisis um, in secondary school because of my sexuality, because it, it didn't match what people talked about. Uh, I was different. And I didn't know if there was anybody else out there. And uh, so it was, that was a, a major issue for me. And I, looking back, I think I was going through depression much of the time in, in second, secondary school. Um, so it was a, a long journey, really, um, with many ups and downs, and particularly downs, more downs than ups. And so I think I was around either 17 or, or early 18. I'm not sure. I probably was 17-ish when I approached our family doctor, who was such a nice man, I, I had thought whenever he, he appeared, uh, but he, he didn't know what to say. Uh, I asked him for a private interview. And uh, so I tried to, and I didn't even have the right words, you know, to explain how I felt because I'd never heard anybody talk about this before. So he sent me to the psychiatrist who was very old-fashioned and a very unpleasant experience, to be honest. Um, he basically told me, oh, well, just wait for another few years. You'll see, you'll be fine. And, you know, this lovely girl will come along. You'll fall in love and you'll forget all about, about your, what you're going through now. And da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So it didn't help much. But, I mean, so all I could do was wait. And I waited for six years now, in and out of depression all the time. 
And at this time, I had been uh, spending some months at a Christian education center for adults. And that was very good in some ways. Um, and there I was told by a theologian, uh, we were told basically during a lecture that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of homosexuality. And I still remember that day. Um, and that particular part of the lecture, uh, it was like, it was a shock to hear that. Because in those days, we're now back in 1966, imagine that. In those days, the word homosexuality was not never said in public. It was sort of almost like you know, some hush-hush or hee-hee-hee -hee -hee or ha-ha-ha. But it was not spoken in a serious uh, lecture uh, given by a theologian. It was the first time I, I heard that. And I remember the shock effect of it. And everybody in the room, we were maybe more than 100 students listening. <gasps> we all went like that. <gasps> he said that word into the microphone? We couldn't believe it. And so that had a huge impact on me. It didn't help my coming out process, obviously. I was 21 and still not out. So I realized, okay, I think I have to go back to the drawing board and find out what do I really want. And that's where Spanish come in, came in. That was just the right thing for me. And it was fantastic. There was just 30 students enrolling that year. And you could get to know everyone. And I, I loved it from day one. So that's one of the reasons why you, why I'm talking to you from Spain today, because it became part of my life. So then that's the time I went to the student union. They had set up a new counseling service. Now I was able to speak to the psychologist. She was fantastic. She was completely the opposite of that psychiatrist I'd met when I was 17, 18. And she just spoke a couple of sentences and said, saying, uh, welcome, and um, I'm sure uh, you want to discuss something with me and what exactly uh, brings you here. And so I, I spoke for a few words, and she said, actually, just before you go on, let me tell you that for me, uh, sexual orientation is an issue that is important, and I want to discuss it with you, but just be, I want you to know that I have no problems with whether you are homosexual or bisexual or heterosexual. And I thought, wow. And she let me talk. I spoke nonstop for half an hour for the first time in my life. And I was 24 years old. So that became such a healing process. Um, I saw her four times. And then I thought I could manage on my own. And I, sp I suppose I could. But looking back, I think I probably should have really gone into therapy for a year or two to heal all my wounds. Uh, because that takes a long time. That takes a long time. But thankfully, at, at least I made it there. And so I was able to, to continue studying. And I, I said I loved Spanish. And I, could, I joined an activist group, an LGBT activist group. It had a different name back then. But that was good, too. Um, and I met some interesting people. And at one point, I even joined the Gay Liberation Front and was with them for a couple of years. So that taught me a lot. And I think the good part also for me is I never lost my faith. So I worked most of my adult life as um, a translator and interpreter. I signed up to do a PhD in the United Kingdom. And there it actually worked out very well because in the UK, I could go straight in 
uh, and do the PhD without having to take all the basic courses in theology. As long as I, I had an academic degree in some other area, that was okay with them. So that's why I went to the UK. And guess what? My thesis became an analysis of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. The early idea was to write my thesis on Bible and homosexuality. Okay? But I realized very early on uh, that, my goodness, but each text is so complex that I don't think I can fit it all into one thesis. So at the end of that exploration, I realized I have to focus on one, and then I took you know, the most difficult of them all, Sodom and Gomorrah, because I really needed to get to grips with this text. It had been haunting me all my life. I had to refresh to brush up my Hebrew, which had gone, grown very rusty, and that was worth it. It, was, it became an, an amazing healing process, reading it in the original language. Because it was just so different from what I expected, what I, what I found there. And, the, and what I'm telling you now happened in my first year of these four years it takes to finish a PhD, okay? When I got to the month of September that year, I was visiting with a friend in another place in southern England called Littlehampton on the coast. His name was Richard. And so I was spending the weekend there, and Richard was telling me about his work. He worked with addicts, alcoholics and drug addicts and those kind of people. And he was a social worker, so he was telling me how he went about his work and, you know, what, what he could do with them and for them and so on. And I found that very interesting. I was still having my ups and downs with living in Britain because I, I think I was still going through some sort of culture shock. Because I, I was still suffering from depressions, I should add. And so this is a good moment, you see. If you are mm, prone to suffer depressions, this kind of experience will plunge you into a dark hole. And so I was, I was landing myself in a dark hole there. So I, had a very, I wasn't feeling very happy that evening. I woke up the next morning. More, and now is Sunday, right? See, around nine o'clock or so. And I had a strange experience. Uh, maybe it belongs to parapsychology. Maybe you know about that. I, I knew very little. But I had a strange experience. I woke up, and I was still in bed, and I opened my eyes, and I looked towards the window, and it was like seeing this, uh, some sort of TV screen. A screen, that, you know, like a big, uh, those flat TV screens, right? And there were a couple of words written on this screen. And they were saying, addiction equals depression. Depression equals addiction. And it was like summing up what I had been learning from Richard, telling me about his work with people who suffer from addictions, how you can help them. Ah, experience. Oh my God. They are like addictions. You can learn to heal yourself from them, to leave them behind. So that day just became a before and after experience for me. And life has not been the same. It's been so much better. On a couple of occasions, I have almost slipped back. But now, thankfully, I'm able to recognize the symptoms 
So when depression comes knocking at the door, thankfully, I'm now able to recognize it. And I can say, no, thank you. I don't need you. The very first year that I really dig deep into the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, my depressions disappear. So that's where healing, that's where I found real healing. You know, the demon of Sodom and Gomorrah, which, and, you know, the Bible, that had been haunting me through all these years, once I was able to sit down and look it in the face and learn its name and say it out loud, it lost all its power over me. I have come to realize in recent years what a great part in my background and education has been based on assumptions more than on facts. And I'm particularly referring to LGBTQ affairs, sexual orientation and gender identity, and the Bible. Um, and this is obviously uh, what is inspiring me also for my own biblical work, that much of what we have been taught, uh, particularly in church settings, has to do with tradition uh, that are post-biblical. They, they quote the Bible, but they read them from a post-biblical position, which changes things because the Bible was written in a very different context. And words had a different meaning back then than they do now. All words change meaning over time. So that has been a huge discovery uh, for me. Dear viewers and listeners, this was this part of the personal story. You can, of course, listen to the other part where we talk more about Renato's book. Uh, so dear viewers and listeners, see you soon. And Renato, see you very soon. So <laughs> bye. See you, everyone. Thank you, Mikhail. Bye-bye. <laughs>